Hello and welcome to another episode of the Project Purple Podcast. I'm Dino Verley, founder and CEO of Project Purple. And today we're back in our podcast studio. I've got a special guest for us today, a guy I've gotten known over the last, uh, it's probably been about six or eight months. It's been a while, Tommy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Time goes fast when you hang out with people you like, man. That's just how it goes. I know we've been moving and shaking, connecting, but I've got with us today on our podcast coming all the way from his attic, literally his attic is Tommy D. Messia, my buddy, Tommy D doing some great things with a lot of charities, a lot of really, really great things you are doing. And we're going to get into that. But before we do, it's tradition here at the Project Purple Podcast, our guests always get the first segment. And I always like to say, Tommy D., you can go as far back, you can stay as high level, but really share with our audience, you know, what you've been doing over the last couple months, couple years, and what brings you here today on the Project Purple podcast. Well, I mean, you brought me here because you invited me, so we'll start with that. So I, I like that. So shout out to my attic, shout out to the guys who built my house 120 years ago and put an attic on the top of the house. Appreciate you guys who gave me a place to actually hibernate and work for the last uh, 17 months. So you know, I appreciate you, appreciate your friendship, and I really appreciate the uh, the work you and your organization are doing for uh, for this terribly tragic disease that affects so many of us. And, and you're shining a light on it, and you really you're a resource for people. I mean, you know, not to mention names, but you know, in my own world, in my own travels, I've connected you with a couple of people that you've impacted, and and that's uh, <laughs> some very close to me, you know, intimately, uh, families type stuff. So so thank you for your friendship, thank you for what the organization doing. Happy to talk about. Uh, Tommy D, because that's what I call myself, because I would tell you this. And if you if you know me, you'll know this is tongue in cheek, folks, but um, I'm my own biggest fan. Like, I am definitely like a Tommy D fan. Like, uh, if, if there was like a Mickey Mouse club for my uh, fan club, it would be I would be the president of the Tommy D fan club. And I say that kind of cutely and tongue in cheek, but it, I think it's important to, to really uh, be self-aware and have fun and, and, and be supportive of what you're doing yourself. And I... I I like the character of Tommy D. I like the, um, I like what the passions are. And I'll tell you that. So let me go back for you, man. I, um, grew up here on Long Island. I have a younger brother and a younger sister and, um, I, you know, grew up middle, middle ish class, you know, and, uh, public school kid went to, then my parents sent me to private high school here on Long Island. And I was, uh, I always wanted to make money. So I, I remember being, when I was really, really young, I was just telling my kids about this. I was um, 11 years old, started delivering newspapers, New, New York Newsday, you know, uh, here on Long Island. It's funny because we used to deliver the Newsday at like 3.30 in the afternoon. Like that would be unheard of now. Like that, that's like, what are you delivering the Newsday? Like why are you delivering a newspaper at 3.30 in the afternoon? Yeah. Like that's- It's what, old news. Why don't, why don't we just pass the day? Why don't yeah. we just skip it? Like you're mailing it in when you deliver the newspaper at that yeah. time of day, man. So I did that. And I remember like cold winter days, my brother and I, my younger brother would, uh, uh, we'd be wrapping up the Sunday papers, man, with the Sunday you had like the, the comics around this paper. And then you'd have like, I haven't told this story in years. It's funny. I'm bringing it up, but, uh, you have like all the coupons in the Sunday paper. So it was like heavy and it was like yep. a pain in the neck. And sometimes you'd have to go back, I'd have to go back to the garage. I remember having like a space heater in the garage. I'd have to fill up my little basket and then come back on, on Sunday mornings, uh, you know, fill up a second or third time. But, you know, always been working 11, 12, 13, you know, I'm, I'm washing dishes in a deli. And then I, I start working my uncle's bar. My uncle Joe uh, owned a bar in um, Floral Park on Long Island. It's actually where my wife and I met years later, but it's uh, 
learned a lot in that business, the good, the bad, and the ugly. You know, anybody who might be listening who, who worked in the restaurant business, certainly behind the bar, uh, a lot of temptation in that business, you know, a lot of, um, but I, I feel like I grew a lot and it, it actually was probably influential to what I, what I do professionally in my networking, connecting. Like I used to, uh, you know, man, there'd be, there'd be people on the end of the bar, um, you know, middle-aged people, maybe getting on the train, going to Manhattan and you'd have to be able to converse with them. And then it'd be young knuckleheads on the other end of the bar, 20, 21, 22, well, not 20, 21, 22, 23 year old, you know, drinking age guys. Um, and, and it was just kind of being that chameleon and making relationships and finding opportunities to build rapport pretty early on in a relationship. I think that's, uh, you know, probably set in motion a lot of what I do today. So, so back to, you know, delis and bars, restaurants, you know, became a, a thing. I, I thought like, I told the story on another show yesterday. I thought I was like at the top of the precipice. Like I thought I hit it. I was a bartender, man. So I was like, all right, next move is to, to buy the bar. You know, I was like, I was Sam Malone now, man. So I, I got it right. I got it all figured out. I used to, I don't know about you, you know, but I watching cheers on like, um, you know, channel 11 or like on, on Nick at night when yeah. we were kids and stuff like that. You still love that show. Um, so I, so I sort of saw like my, oh, I was like, oh, that's what you do. Like I'm the bartender now. Like he's the man. Look right here. So needless to say, well, maybe it's not needless to say. Fortunately, I never bought a bar. I never owned a bar, which was a good thing. Um, and uh, I had always said I was going to be a salesman. And people always told me I was going to be a salesman. You and I were joking before the show. I've been called little, I've been called Tommy D since I'm a kid. I was telling you, like, I found something my mother had made me and you know, uh, it was like had a little, little kid's outfit, like a onesie. And I said, little Tommy D on it. And this is like something like a two-year-old or a one-year-old would wear. So like, I've been this guy for this long time, but I always said, because you're, you're a salesman, you build relationships, you build rapport. So eventually I went and worked for uh, a company called ADP, big payroll operation. Most people know that. And um, <laughs> I was telling this the other day, my, my uncle Ricky worked there for a lot of years and said, like, Tommy D, um, you're looking for a sales job. Why don't you go work? Why don't you come work at ADP? And I said, I don't, I don't have any idea what that is. Said, we do payroll. And I said, great. I still have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> and like, I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> Had a great career at ADP. Was there for about eight years. Um, what I always found though, man, is, is I, I never was really, you know, I was super successful there. We went on trips, my wife and I, you know, with different presidents, but, but I was never really high on the fact of building somebody else's business. You know, sales is a great gig. It's a cool situation. But, you know, especially in a company like that, and I learned a lot in that experience, but you're still building somebody else's business, man. You got to sell more. You got to sell more. You know, you know what the, the trade-off is, salary, benefits, really cool stuff, but you're, you're not building your own. You know, and I know you have some, some experience like in financial services and stuff like that. That's sort of different. You are building your own practice, right? So. 18 years ago, I, I met my two partners and, and we had, I'm selling payroll and they're selling benefits and employee benefits and, and property and casualty. And to make a long story short, which I'll tell you, you know, a buddy of mine used to say to me, Tommy D, you're not allowed to say that anymore. And I said, what's that? And he goes, you can't say make a long story short. You don't know how to do that even if you wanted to. <laughs> so, I love that. So Mike's right. You're right on Mike. So that's true. But trying to make a long story short, you know, I, I, uh, Ed and Vinny, who are my business partners now, uh, they were in the benefits business in Bayside, Queens. And I joined a group called Bayside Business Association. And, and this is like 2003, four. Um, now, all these years later, we're in business together. And we said we would do that like in 03, 04. And 
Uh, Ed's the president of the Bayside Business Association. I'm on the board and have been for a number of years. And that's just another kind of civic or, uh, organization, sort of like a, a, a tiny local chamber that does really good work in the Bayside community. Um, so we, as the three of us sat down and we said, you know, when, when I came into the business and we said, who do we want to serve? Who are the types of clients that we really like working with and are um, that we really think we can make an impact for? And it kept coming back to the nonprofit sector. It kept coming back to organizations who are making an impact, whether it be a social impact, whether it were charitable organizations, educational organizations. We really felt that we had a, a model that made sense for nonprofits. So what comes out of that? So I start, you know, you know, I really like nonprofits. I like what they're doing. I didn't know what nonprofits were, but I liked they were making an impact, you know? So I start getting involved with that. And we as a firm are getting involved with that. And I'm running like nonprofit roundtables for, for executive leaders and, and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, oh, you know, man, I like this. I really like what's going on here. So I said, there's a guy called, uh, I don't know if you know him, do you know, but he's, you know, a big like um, entrepreneur. He does a lot on the media side of things. Gary V. Gary Vaynerchuk. Yeah. yeah. So Gary V. talks about like if you're, he talks about a lot of things, but what he says is, which kind of stuck with me and resonated with me, and this is sort of the genesis of philanthropy and focus, the, the, the podcast and what I would call a movement. So I hear Gary V. say, look, if you're, and I'm summarizing, if you're into something, man, and this is my vernacular, if you're really digging the topic, you're, you're really connected to something, go do it explore it, see what it's all about. And I was like, you know what, man, I'm digging this nonprofit stuff. I said, I'm going to do a podcast. And I didn't know what that meant. Like, you know, like most things I just say it and then I got to figure out how to do it. Right. So I go, I'm going to do a podcast where I interview executive directors and nonprofits, which probably wasn't like a completely trailblazing thing. I'm sure other folks are doing it, but I was like, you know what, it's an hour and I'm just going to let that organization, the leader of that organization tell their story. Come on. What kind of drew you and you, you and I've been through this because you were one of my great guests who came on my show. And, you know, what drew that individual to nonprofit? How did they get into social services if it's relevant? And, you know, uh, what's their story? Like you're asking me right now, which is kind of uh, we flipped the script because most of the time I'm asking other people their story. So I, I uh, as I told you, I'm a big time to fan. I don't mind telling the story. You know, I was joking with my friend Dave Lynn as I was coming up here to the attic. Yes, folks, I literally am in the attic. <laughs> right below the roof of my house. And uh, I was telling Dino before that, it's like 92 degrees in the attic, but with the 62 degrees coming out of the air conditioner, it's about 87 degrees where I'm standing. So it's nice and cool. It's like, uh, it's like a brisk day, you know, in, in the Sahara. So it's, um, so it, I'm in, <laughs> I'm in the attic and, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm hot right now, is what I'm telling you. So, it, you know, I found out this opportunity. I said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to interview these executive directors. Sometimes it's the ED. Sometimes it's the founder. Often it's one and the same as it was with Dino when he came on the show. And have them tell their story. And as I say, amplify the message for nonprofit organizations. And it's, it's important to me because I don't think enough light gets shown on the sector. I don't think enough people know the work that nonprofits are doing. I don't think... Um, that these organizations probably obvious to those of you who might know nonprofit, but these organizations are overlooked and not funded enough. And my answer is I got this big mouth. People like to hang out with me. I may as well utilize it for good. Right. So, and that's what I do. So that's what that show is. I do it every Friday morning. I have another nonprofit leader join me hashtag in the attic. <laughs> I like saying the word hashtag out loud, you know, <laughs> it's funny. So, uh, 
you know, join me in the attic and, and then I have them, them tell their story. Um, it's, it's just a, I have four kids and every week my son goes, one of my boys, he just goes, so who, who are you interviewing tomorrow? Who are you interviewing tomorrow? How cool is that? Like, you know, it, because it's something that inspires them. And then I get to tell them I'm interviewing Dino Varelli. He founded this organization as a legacy in memory of his dad, you know, pancreatic cancer, the whole pop, 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 pop. And then my son goes, wow, no kidding. So I'll tell you, I'll tell you a story and, and you, you probably, we know each other well enough to say, Tommy D, you like jump in and say, Tommy D, when you need me to break. <laughs> no, I'm letting you go, man. This is, Let me go. this Let me is go. great okay. stuff. This is great yeah. stuff. We're letting you go on so, this. So one of my boys, you know, he says to me, uh, I'll tell you a funny anecdote, a funny, poignant, maybe emotional, um, sitting in the car, we get like an email from the school saying, um, you know, your son did this really incredible act for another student. Uh, the student has some special needs and, and um, you know, your son, uh, um, you know, went with this kid to the bookshelf and, and helped this child out and, and blah, 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 and said, look, you know, here's this book and try to get the, uh, this, this other child engaged in the conversation uh, and, and reading the book. And I said to my son, I, I said, thank you. I said, I love you for doing that. He said, but why'd you do that? What made you do that? You know? And he goes, you know what, Dad? He goes, I see all the things you're doing to help people out. You know, I'm probably going to cry. He goes, I see all the things you're doing, Dad. I see you helping people out. And I think that's what I learned from you. That's what we're supposed to do. So here's the deal, man. If I did that, if I, uh, uh, 43 years old, my intention is to have another 50. So that puts me at 93, right? If I get 50, I'm jazzed. If I don't, I feel like, uh, you know, Mike Francesa, you know, and uh, and Chris Russo, would you sign? Would you sign for 50 years? Would you sign for 50? Deal? Yeah, I would sign for 50 more years right now of life. But if I don't get them, it's legacy, brother. It's about impact. What is the impact I'm making? And it's not just in my own household because this morning I, I left early and I went out um, to Long Island to Allied Foundation, who's my friend Heather Edwards. She's executive director, staff of one. You know, they usually give away 40 or 50,000 diapers every year. Mm -hmm. Okay. 40 or 50,000, ladies and gentlemen. This year, they gave away a million diapers to organizations, other nonprofits who are supporting people who have the highest degree of need. So picture that. If you're like, you know, most of us who can afford diapers, maybe it's no big deal. But if you're if you're in a situation and you got to make that choice, and as I've learned over the last few months, um, uh, uh, support, uh, food stamps, SNAP, that doesn't go to pay diapers. So if an individual is having a challenge, uh, they can't buy diapers. It was founded by an organization of, of uh, physicians, pediatricians, who were finding that people of lower income were having their, their children were, were getting rashes and getting sick and, and because they didn't have new diapers. And when they asked the moms and dads, they said, you can't afford diapers. So the child would wear the diapers longer than, you know, if you could, if you did have diapers on the shelf. So this is like, these are the organizations that are making an incredible impact. 40,000 diapers typically. I mean, today we, I got a, so... Heather, by the way, I love you. You're a great friend of mine. So if you're listening in, um, it, it's it's a one-woman show. They it's just this morning with what we bundled, and you guys got to check out. Like you know, I'm doing it's called hashtag 60 days of service because I'm doing 60 days of service for nonprofits. So uh, you know, it's about they've what what Heather sent me before is that we gave away, you know, donated 17,000 diapers this morning. And what I did going out there taking boxes off the shelf. I felt like 
I was going to call, you know, Amazon and apply for a job because I felt like I was a pick and pack guy. Like after that, I was like really good. I said, by the time I left there, you know, I might've learned how to use like the, uh, the Bobcat to kind of move oh, pallets the, around. Yeah. The pallet. The yeah, pallet. The pallet yeah. yeah. What was what we doing, man? We were on the, we got the pallets and we're ripping like boxes of diapers down and we're packaging them up. And I got like a big old roll of saran wrap and I wrap it. I, I got video of this, man. It's, it's funny. So, but, but, you know, I tell you this all because that's impact, man. That's what these organizations are doing. So, so I get these ideas and, you know, Dino, I wasn't like, I always had in my mind, I was like, I'm a salesman. I'm a salesman. That's what I do. But, and it's took a guy like Gary V or, you know, I've been listening to like inspirational stuff, you know, like Tony Robbins stuff over the years and all that kind of stuff. But it took this Gary V guy for me to go, no, dude, I am creative. I used to think I'm a sales guy. It's what I do. You know, I'm, but that was kind of, I, and I don't say bad words on your on my show. I won't say it on yours, but it's kind of like BS. I was like, that's not what, no, I, I'm not just quote unquote a sales guy. I got all this creative stuff. And that's what I've sort of realized the last couple of years is like, is, is doing 60 days of nonprofit service between now as we sit here in mid-July and the end of this year when I've completed three, is that challenging? Yeah, it's pretty challenging. I got to find 57 more days and 57 people that want to hang out with me with my philanthropy and focus t-shirt and let me come out and pack boxes, paint the building, whatever it is, right? Yeah, it it's, might be challenging, but I feel like I'm inspiring people. And I feel like, and it's not to say like, hey, look at Tommy D, how great he is. and Because it ain't about me, man. It's about like, if... If people, so philanthropy is not, you know, rich people in tuxedos and tails writing checks. I mean, part of it might be, but I think the rest of us, most of us can, can make an impact. We can volunteer in different ways. I was on a phone with uh, my buddy, Dave Lynn from the generosity series earlier today. We talk about gratitude and things. And, you know, from a generosity perspective, he does a lot of work in the peer to peer space, peer to peer fundraising. And, there are so many ways you can make an impact for nonprofits. There's it's volunteering. It's maybe it's a board position, you know, it, it, maybe you can write checks. Maybe you can write a, a little checks, you know, maybe you can write a big check, but I think so. So 60 days of service to me really is just representative of this opportunity where in your own community, wherever you are, you can make an impact. And I I wasn't like, I was, I was always a nice guy. I was a good dude, but like, I wasn't like, you know, you're younger, you're selfish. There's like, I wasn't looking to do this stuff. Like if you asked me, if you were like, Oh, Tommy D what drew you to the nonprofit sector? I would tell you like what the story I told you that happened in the last eight, nine years. I wasn't 21 years old, like working in the soup kitchen or doing, you know, things that I had value, but I know there are people, you know, I had a, I had a friend, um, on, uh, um, well, she's coming on my show, but her name is Kylie McGrone, and, and Kylie founded an organization, A Moment of Magic, which you would dig this organization, man. And, and Kylie's one of these people who was always looking at service, and she's the executive director of this organization, the founder. And what they do is they bring a moment of magic to young people who are um, in hospitals with uh, tragic diseases. And they dress up. Um, I'll tell her story because it's a great story. Uh, I was interviewing her uh, recently for... Um, for the New York City Imagine Awards. And I was saying, um, I do, like I do, I was like, it basically with my podcast, but we just weren't recording or anything. I just wanted to know the same stuff. So she was, um, she did a lot of service work. She went to, um, I'm going to screw up the college, but it's it's in Riverdale, Saint Ma- uh, I think it's Mount St. Vincent College. And they have, a, they have like a philanthropy program. Like the school only has about 1,500 students, but they're focused on service. 
So she goes there and she gets involved in service. Um, the job she was doing up in the Bronx from a service perspective was the program they closed down. She goes home for holidays, for the holiday break. She's sitting on the couch with sisters and her mom says, a commercial for Frozen comes on. You know, you know, I'll sing it. Let it go, let it go. You know, the movie. Yeah. <laughs> I, I always like to sing. Um, so, uh, so don't frozen, quit your day uh, job. Yeah, no, I, I listen, I got a lot of day jobs. I'll be all right. And that's why I hedge my bet. Just do a lot of stuff. Something's going to stick, man. That's right. So, <laughs> so, so her mom says, you kind of look like Elsa. Boom. There's an idea, right? Everything you look around the room, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, wherever you are, look around the room, everything. And I'm, I'm totally stealing from somebody else now. But everything in that room came out of an idea. Everything in that room came from somebody's head. It was a figment of somebody's imagination, right? So, so she gets this idea. And now they have, I think, um, 30 chapters of A Moment of Magic across the country hooked into sororities. I think it's like 300 volunteers. And, and she's, she's, all due respect, Kylie, she's a kid. Like, she's a kid. She's like in her early 20s or something like that. And she's, what is the impact? She's hooked in like all these sororities that want to, you know, do service work and they dress up Elsa and, you know, uh, Snow White and, and whatnot. And I, like, what's the impact? So we talk ripple effect, you know, like that's my big thing. It's about the ripple. What's the ripple effect of like her coming up with this organization? So if my little part of this world is to shine a light on the work that nonprofits are doing, if my, you know, I only have, um, we do the show every Friday and we take off a couple of weeks during the holidays. So I only have 50 Fridays to do the show. So that's sort of limiting, although it's 50, but it's still it's not it's not more than that right now. I'd love to do the show. And I probably told you this. I'd love to do the show Monday through Friday. So what I'm looking for actually is to figure out a way to turn the show into something that's not just um, that's not just a cost center for me, but it's actually something that that can be can generate revenue just so I can justify my own head that I'm putting in the time to it. Because now it's I'm kind of quote unquote bankrolling it myself. I'll bring it back though. If, if so, I got 50 opportunities a week, uh, 50 opportunities a year to do the podcast. That gives me all this other these organizations that I want to I want to spotlight, but I can't get them on my show right now. So I got to go out and do a day of service. So it's it, you know it's the diapers today. It's my my four kids and I and my mom came out on uh, on Saturday. The book fair is down in Freeport. We're sorting out books. They're going to give away. Tw- this is another one, man. They're going to give away twenty thousand books on a Sunday in um in august i've been to this they call it community book fair where all these teachers from schools that do not have books now where i live on long island my children have libraries in their classrooms however right here on long island i don't need to tell you this you're in connecticut i don't i mean there are schools that have wealth and have everything and there are schools in the same uh, definitely in the same area code you know that have nothing that have nothing that have nothing so so anyway on the in in so that's uh, Amy Zeslansky's organization. Eileen Minogue runs the organization with Amy. Great. Check out the book fairs. Like, like they, they gather all these books. They've given away 3 million books. Come on, man. What, what's the impact? What's the ripple effect? You know what it is? Like literacy, like if, you know, crime increases when people are illiterate, you know, obviously poverty is a result of that. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not obvious. It is obvious, I think. But all these things are not, you know, not only just to be great people, but it's a drain on society, if you want to say that. So forget about the fact that we want to help each other and pull each other up. Right. But, you know, so, so I go out there with my, my four kids and my mom came through that day and we, we were sorting through the books and I, you know, that wasn't like easy, but it wasn't difficult. 
It was no big deal. We, I got a bunch of coffee, you know, well, not for the kids, because they, they, <laughs> they don't need coffee. But I got a bunch of coffee for me. But we threw out a six-foot table at, at the book ferries in Freeport, and we sorted books for three hours. And you know what? I don't tell you this because I, I try to have no ego because it's not really about me. But when my six-year-old is like, Dad, I understand what we're doing. We're helping yeah. people. Like, that's, you know, I think that's what we're here for. Like, wow. probably five or six years ago, that's what I realized. Like, that's what we're here for. We're here to make an impact. We're here to make people better off. I'm here to take a breath and drink some water. So, <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, I just let you go, man, because I, I've been taking notes. And uh, there's so many golden nuggets in, in the last 20 minutes that you were talking here. But, you know, the thing that you just said, though, and you said it a couple times, impact and impact to your kids you know we're recording this in 2021 it's july the country as a whole the world as a as a population as a society we are in a really funny time man i i guess that's maybe the best term to use right and, and there's a lot of issues and um you know but it, it it just what you said about your son and what he said to you man oh my god man the back the hair on the back of my neck stood up and, you know, for those listening at home, you know, when you said, you know, your, your son, you know, was recognized for helping the kid at school and he did it because he's seeing you do the similar things with other people and trying to be positive, create impact. I mean, let's just take a step back from this and say, like, if everyone led their life every day here in the United States and just did stuff with positivity to help other people. And we're not saying you have to write checks, but just be kind, right? Someone, Someone's having a rough day, you're kind to them, or pick that person up. I wonder what the world would look like and what our country would look like, you know? And, and, and but I, I, to that point though, Tommy, and for the audience listening at home, all it takes is, it doesn't take money, it doesn't take, a lot of energy, in my opinion, uh, maybe for some people, it's a lot of energy and effort because they've never acted that way. But I think we would be in a much better place. But one person, that's that's who starts it, right? And then we teach our children, right? You've taught your children that way. I'm teaching my children. Hopefully the listeners at home who have children are teaching their kids the importance of helping others in need, which is philanthropy, Right. If we just kind of get better grounding and have better focus and realize that it's not always about us, but what we do for others. I'm not trying to drop religion here. Um, you know, a lot of religion is based on that, right? You know, turn the cheek. I mean, whether you're Jewish, Catholic, Roman Catholic, Protestant, Islam, um, I, I, you know, Hindu, I, I, you know, I'm not trying to, uh, miss anyone here atheist even like there's no religion that talks that doesn't talk about helping others that are in need right it, a lot of religion is focused all religions are focused on that it, it's just uh it's just really fascinating to me but it's also i'm curious and this was one of my questions i, I get a couple questions and first i'm gonna go all the way back you said you were 11 years old, you had a newspaper route. And and I just had this conversation with my kids because I was probably 11 years old, I was young. And when you were saying like doing the, the coupon, so I had a paper route, I had two blocks. We just drove through the old neighborhood actually on Tuesday. And I brought my kids to the old neighborhood. 
And I said, yeah, I had these two blocks. I was like the kingpin of the newspapers. And you were like, you know, I was laughing. You said 3.30. I remember there were days when like you would wait and the guy, I don't know, delivers would run late. So you'd be delivering the paper at like 1.30 in the afternoon, two o'clock, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. But I remember those, sat so Saturday we would get the coupons yeah. and then we would put them together like Sunday morning, you know, or you had the system. So I had a shopping cart. That was the big deal back in the day in Connecticut. Like if you had a- That's how you, 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 you weren't on your bike with, a, with a, like an old milk No, because I had so many, I had yeah. so many, like I, we would get an old shopping cart. We wouldn't steal it. Like right, right. Now, no, you can't give it back when yeah. you was on YouTube. Yeah. No, well, yeah, we, we would go to Stop and Shop and or whatever. Back then it was Pathmark, you know? Pathmark. You live, yeah, Pathmark, no doubt, right? 100%. So yeah. I think my dad went to Pathmark and like, I don't know, we bartered it or something or somehow got it. Or maybe I even bought it. I don't even remember. I may have bought it off the previous guy who may have stolen it, but I didn't steal it. <laughs> so we would, he would have this, this shopping cart and it would be filled to the brim naturally on the normal days, but on Sunday you needed it, man. Cause those papers were probably like four or five inches yeah, thick. You tried to roll them too. And like when you <sighs> roll it, the, the rubber band would snap. Correct. And you needed a big old thick, like yeah, Sunday. Yeah. They need a thick, yeah, thick, yeah. thick rubber bands, man. You probably have, we have battle wounds on our hands from all those rubber bands. So is that too? And, and there was like, and I was, when I was opening the boxes of diapers that were like, like they were strapped together it was just it's funny that that i did this this morning because it was the same strap that they would drop your newspapers off yeah, yeah. that you have to turn the strap turn inside it, out and right? then peel and it because if you pulled it before you flipped it inside out you get it stuck, it's stuck. in your nail yeah. hurt, right so it only it would disconnect the glue folks if this part of the show you don't know what we're talking about <laughs> sorry but, but we, you we didn't grow up in the 80s yeah, or 90s right so you did I was born in 78, man. So that's, it was like that. Yeah. Time. Yeah. 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 So it's small world, man. So when you were telling that story, man, that, and so, and, and I'm going, there, there's a point here in asking these questions. So, you know, I, I, I've always seen, you know, from an entrepreneur, like, I don't think anyone becomes an entrepreneur. I mean, people become entrepreneurs, but like you have these things ingrained in you early on, right? Like you were hustling at 11 with that paper route. I, again, same thing. I was hustling on the paper route. Then you got it, you know, you got the, the advice to get into sales and you're hustling and then you're building someone else's business, as you said, and then you decide to build your own business. So when you think about, you know, getting into philanthropy, one of my questions was, you know, was that something that you did early on, which sounds like it really wasn't, but if we look back and I know this is kind of a loaded question, I always ask loaded questions, but Tommy, if you think back, is there a situation where, I, I don't know if we call it like an aha moment or the light bulb moment that now hindsight being 2020, that you can look back and go, yeah, there was this time at work or this situation in my life that I realized, all right, this is it. Or maybe it was, it, it, and maybe it, to be honest, maybe it was anything, not anything to do with philanthropy, but maybe it's becoming a dad. Yeah, it was, man. That's actually, you hit the nail on the head because I didn't, like I say, I was a good dude. I looked out for people, but I wasn't like, you know, running fundraisers for people. But I, you know, when my oldest was born and she's 11, so it's interesting to have this conversation within the last week about summertime, as Nino mentioned, and it's like, maybe you should get a job. Like Maybe you should go do something. And it's like some some people of this age group are like, that's unheard of. I'm like, well, no, I was freaking delivering papers at 11 years. <laughs> like, um, what are you talking? I was washing dishes in a deli at 13. Like what, like, what do we do? So, um, but anyway, I'm trying to figure out me still. So I to try and raise children is like the next challenge each day. But it's like when, when my oldest was born, 
And, you know, you got, you know, I know you as a dad, you know, the same thing, you know, your life literally like changes like in a second, like snap of a finger, because before that it was like my, my girl, my wife and I, and, and, you know, and that's it. And like, if, you know, I could play fast and loose and if, you know, if, if something bad happened to me, um, okay, that sucked for me, but I'm, it wasn't, you know, it, it wasn't like just not to get crazy about it but you know i didn't have kids when you have a child i mean i'll, I'll just put it out there man to people listening uh, my oldest is 11 and i quit drinking 10 and a half years ago you know so i i you know i tell you that because it's it was something that i i'm not it's not something i i hide i tell people all the time i i gave up drinking um i was i worked in the bar business for many many years and i gave up drinking uh because someone was looking up at me and it was my responsibility to protect that that child so game changer for you, right? So yeah, I would say if I had to put anything to it, I realized that life is about more than just garnering more stuff. Um, there's a guy called um, John Maxwell. Yeah. John Maxwell, you know John Maxwell, yeah. right? Dr. John Maxwell has written, when I last saw him, he was, we were up in Utica at an event and he had written at the time, 90 some odd books. So I mean, he's probably written 130 books by now, right? <clears throat> and he's always talking about making an impact and adding value. And I was like, you know, those are words that like kind of two phrases I tell myself every day, like how are you making an impact, how are you adding value? Not how did you sell more stuff to buy more stuff? You know, like not that, like, well, like, I, I don't know, man. Like, I don't want to get on this whole thing and, and, and be judgy and stuff like that. But materialistic stuff, you know, I, I drive a I drive a Nissan Sentry. You know what I do every three years? I roll it into the dealership and I give it back to them and I ask them for another, another Nissan Sentry and I leave because I'm a cheapo when it comes to that kind of stuff. But I want the car to start and I want heat and I like having a sunroof, right? But like I don't care. That's me, right? That's my deal. No judgment if you if if somebody else wants to drive a Porsche or a Mercedes or whatever a Maserati. But for me, it's like I don't care for that. Like it doesn't matter. So so different things, different strokes for different folks. But how am I making an impact? How am I adding value, right? Not what do I drive? So, so having children is, is part of the whole story, man. Like, I really think that we're here to help each other out. Like, I really think that you, you know, you, you talk about religion. I was raised Roman Catholic. Um, I guess I'm agnostic now. You know, if you caught me in my early twenties, I would have told you I was an atheist, but I, I realized that's pretty freaking arrogant. That's like, I know anything. So I said, that's not going to work anymore. So I'm more like, there's probably something I don't know. I don't get it. Um, uh, what I believe in is just doing the right thing and trying to help people out. Man, you know, I also, <clears throat> some of this probably goes to my, I like people to like me. I just like that. Like I actually like people. So I want to do things that make people happy. And and maybe is that an ego issue? I don't know. I'm not smart enough to know if that's an ego thing or not. I just know, like, I like people smiling when I leave. I like them happy. I like them jazzed. I, I was a bartender, man. You know, I made people happy all the time. That was my gig. Uh, but it, it's leave people better off than when you found them. Um, because I'll tell you a story, man. I was feeling really down. I, I went to school in, uh, when I graduated from Chaminade here in Long Island, I, I went to Nassau College and then went to Baruch for a little while in the city. I was feeling low one morning. And, um, you know, mental health is very important to me and the, the stigma around mental health, which we need to change in, in this country and on this planet. And I get on my soapbox on my show, but, um, you know, I think we all have different levels of challenges on the mental health side of things. But I remember one day feeling pretty low and um, I was on the up train 
probably 21-ish, 22. And, you know, this, this young person, like, looked up and smiled at me. And just smiled, and I smiled back. And it literally changed the trajectory of my day. I don't know if it changed my whole life, but it changed that day, which probably changed the next couple of days, right? What is the impact we have on each other? Like we can really, really freaking affect each other. Like we really can. And if you want to go into like, we're all connected. Yeah, yeah, we are. Absolutely. It's not like my family is not the six people that live in this house or my parents and my siblings. It, no, it's like, now I'm going to get really hokey and, and whatever, but like, we're a family of people, man, of, of the race, maybe go further with the planet, right? The whole deal, like, <laughs> you know, to try and take it back and put a little laughter in it, you know, the Beastie Boys, there was a song, and I think Mike D says this, and, it, and it's like, you know, he filled out an application, and it uh, he filled inside the space, it asked for um, race, and he put human, like, right? Not race, black, white, yellow, what, like, human race, man. Like, isn't that what we're supposed to do? I, look, we can extend my friend... My friend Valerie and I are talking about launching a new show around um, around business professionals in the animal space, around animal advocacy. So that would probably be coming very soon. Uh, it was an idea yesterday, and today it's actually a thing. It's going to happen. So like, that's how fast I'll snap with that hand. That's how fast things happen. But but man, isn't that what we're supposed to do, Dino? Like, isn't that it? I mean, you you left your practice. I don't know how much you talk about your background in the show, but you left what you were doing because you saw a need in a space and you wanted to recognize that and you wanted to make an impact. And I, look, no one goes into nonprofit saying, Hey man, I think this will be a cool way to get a yacht. Like, I think this will be a great, I think this is, you know, I'm really tracking in my corporate job, you know, to, to get that, uh, that Maserati I've been looking at, but you know what, I'm going to go do this nonprofit work because that's probably a different way to get there. That's probably in most cases, nine out of 10 cases that nonprofit people aren't getting rich in the nonprofit work. So there's something more. There's something that drives these people and pulls them into doing this work. And I believe it's because they want to help people and they want to do the right thing and they want to make an impact. So I said it again, it's impact and value. And that's it. If I could leave you guys with like something to, to ponder, it's how am I making an impact today? How am I adding value? And it could be your profession. Like what you do might be just that. And then that's freaking great. Do that more. Do it twice. I don't, you know, like, I don't know. But if it isn't, I had a friend of mine on my show a couple of weeks ago, Genevieve Pitoro. And, and I might screw this question up how she asked it, but she's got a book out, um, Passion Pajamas, and, and she's got a great story. I, we don't have time for it now, but Genevieve Pitoro, check her out, The Pajama Project. And she said to herself, if this is the next 30 years, is this enough? If this is the next 30 years, is this enough? Like, if this is the impact you're going to make, should you be doing it? And no disrespect to making a living. Right on. We got to do it, right? It's it's important to make a living and take care of our families. But I, I, is that all? You know, I just take on more and more and more stuff. And if you want to know how crazy that is, just ask my wife. She'll tell you. He's on another project. He's on another thing, right? Um with the way social media is going on, telling everybody about this, you probably know as much as I'm working on anyway, gang. But the, the thing is, how can you make an impact? Nothing wrong with, you know, um, doing your nine to five, but like, if that's not making an impact, maybe there's something else you can do. I don't know, man. I'm nobody, like, I, I'm nobody's priest, rabbi, mentor. I'm just a guy in an attic. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, I'm just, I'm just a guy literally in an attic melting away. 
to who who feels you know that that we're here for something bigger. We're here to make an impact. And you know, no disrespect to my past, but selling payroll service for a major company just wasn't really it wasn't cutting the mustard. And that it's like um, you know, growing our own business in our practice. I mean, yeah, we're in the employee benefits business. We we sell group health insurance and other benefits, but we focus like really highly on nonprofit, like really focused on nonprofit. So even in our business, the DNA of our firm, which is, you know, an extension of my DNA is how do we make an impact? How do we add value? Bah, 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 bah. I, I say it in that tone because it's not boring to me, but it's the same thing. It's like, if we, if we analyze as we go into things like that, that's sort of become my, my North star, you know, it's even when, so we run a national networking organization. And even with that, it's like, it's all about the give. How do we how do we give back? How do we give to others? How do we collaborate? So, I, I, it's, listen, it's, you, you caught me with a whole bunch of caffeine <laughs> in my body today, man. It's, it's uh, like, you're on a roll. You're on a roll, man. I like I said, going? it's hard to stop. I, I'm just guiding you through on this conversation, and and I think the, um, you know, there, there's a couple powerful things there, but you know, I, I'd go out on a limb and probably say like the majority of people hate what they do. Right. And, and we've, we've, we've probably have both been in situations previously and, um, you know, and, and no friends that, you know, do their job because it pays the bills, but do they really love what they do? But let me ask you though, if you're doing your job, right. And it's just to pay the bills. So let's just assume the majority of people, you're not getting, you're not going to become a millionaire. Now, if you really hate your job, but you're getting like super wealthy and it's creating a legacy for your family and stuff like that, maybe you suck it up. Right. Like Kyrie Irving. Okay. Sure. Like, I, mean, I don't think he really lo- like, let's, I, and I'm not picking on him. I, I mean, I just think like, you know, like use him as an example here. You know, what did he sign? Like a hundred million dollar contract or something for the Nets. Right. Mm-hmm. But like his actions this year, like didn't really seem like he wanted to be there. Like right? he cared. Yeah. yeah like yeah. he cared, you know, yeah. but he's an amazing talent, right? Like in that, and then I'm not making this stuff up. This is not Dina Varelli. This is what I read in the New York Times, the Post, ESPN. You know, there were multiple, right. um, you know, people that, that mentioned this, that they just don't think he, he wants to be there, but you know, a hundred million dollars over, over three years or whatever his contract is, that's generational wealth. Of course it is. That's yeah. tough to say no that's, to. <laughs> right. But even if, and even if that, if he hated playing ball, okay, so what? Yeah. Walk it off, kid. Play ball. Like whatever, right? But yeah. like if you're one of my what I was saying to you was like if you like are doing a job that is soul sucking, right? You freaking hate it, and you're just, you know, getting by, couldn't you find something that is like completely inspiring, even maybe, like for argument's sake, you take a bit of a haircut, as I say. You take a bit of a haircut and do a thing that gets you juiced and charged every day to get going and you freaking start before the the uh the uh what's the guy that makes all the noise the chicken the the rooster before the rooster, the rooster crows. <laughs> i don't know where that's coming from man but before the rooster do before that happens like you're tripping down the stairs to get to work to do your thing like can't you figure out a way because you're so juiced about that to make i don't know additional income some other way maybe that gig you do me you know even if it's a, you know we're in a time where it's so easy to just have a side hustle man like whatever it is, like you wanna, you wanna skincare, right? Nutrition right? supplements. Oh, well, that's even training. Like or, or so that's like the the organized. Like if you want to go like into some, you know, uh, network marketing, multi marketing, maybe. But if you want to paint 
rocks with really cool sayings. And I was in Block Island two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And you want to sit on the beach by the Block Island ferry and and sell rocks, rocks, right? And paint rocks. And you can make a living doing it. And you're frigging thrilled to do paint freaking rocks, man. Like do that. Like maybe I make this like I maybe I live in some, uh, I don't know, uh, utopian world where like everything's so easy. But I'm not saying like, I'm just trying to find your passion, man. And if it ain't, there's nothing wrong with doing the nine to five that, that kills you, but go do something from five to nine that you gets you going. And that could be working in the soup kitchen, man. So, so even find that, find your passion. And you know, man, I, you know, you talk religion and stuff. I don't know what goes on after this, you know, I, I, but why make this suck? Like why not enjoy this? Got just one in, life. Case, in case this is it, man. You know, I, I read something on social media and I might butcher this. I took a picture of it with my phone, but it was like, you don't have one life. You have two lives. The li- And one is after you realize you only have one life and something that, and I might've butchered that. And if I did, sorry, gang, but it's like, think about that. Like once you realize, like, like I, this podcast, <laughs> my friend Valerie, who I mentioned earlier, she asked me to be on her podcast like four years ago. And you know, I said, I said, absolutely not. She goes, what do you mean? And now this is the same Tommy D you know and love, you know, right? And she goes, what do you mean? I go, I can't, I don't want to hear my own voice. I don't want to hear like, you know, I'm just going to say stuff and now it's out there in the universe forever. And I was like, and now I have my own show, man. <laughs> like now I do this and we're talking about all the shows. And, and it was like, that's fearful. That's scary. So what do I have to, to what I would say to you? Get freaking uncomfortable. Like do something that scares the hell out of you. I have a poster above my, my desk, not a poster, but it's like eight and a half by 11. I printed it out. It's like a picture of, um, uh, of a cliff, right? Like in a guy, like looking over the cliff and it says life begins at the end of your comfort zone. And I like wrote my signature on there and it's some that some date in like 2017. And it's like stamped up on the wall right next to my bed. And I actually gave all my kids this and my wife and they all did it. And all five of those are missing, but mine is still up there. And I would just say to you, try something like, and do it. Like, just so what it sucks. It's uncomfortable. So now I run a show that probably inspires people. And I have a, have a, 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 a campaign called hashtag 60 days of service. That's probably inspiring people. That all comes out of me just saying, you know what? Screw it, man. I'm going to get freaking uncomfortable. I'm going to do something because I see a vision. I see something that's bigger than me and I want to do it. And I think it's fun and I think it's cool. And God, if we got out of our own way, how big could we be, man? Like if we got out of our own freaking head sometimes, you know? It's powerful, man. And, and yeah. you know, I, I think that, you know, to, to echo what you just said, um, you know, I, I once heard a quote, and I might be butchering this, is, you know, the amount of uncomfortable, the amount of how you feel uncomfortable in your life will determine the quality of your life. Yeah. You know, and, and the meaning is that, you know, if you're comfortable, you're probably not going to do things, you know, things aren't going to change if you're stuck in a rut. And even if you look at people that are extremely successful, regardless if that's financially, academically, professionally, socially, they're, they're growing and growth is uncomfortable, right? You got to do the things that no one's doing and you got to get a little uncomfortable in order to grow. Um, and that's truly, truly, uh, you know, what you need to do to get to whatever your goals may be. Um, but I, I remember hearing that years ago and I just, that that's always stuck with me, um, you know, in terms of growth and, and being uncomfortable and doing things a little bit differently to, to seek different results. Clearly you said something, Tom, 
and and I just want to get to this because this is where we're gonna we're gonna kind of venture into now is, you know, finding, you know, what you love to do. And you mentioned, hey, if you're doing your nine to five job from five to nine, do what you love to do and find that out. So is that what kind of got you? I know you you said you you know you you've been in business eighteen years with your partners. You do a lot with nonprofits, but you mentioned flipping the script. And is that was kind of like the idea and the ideology and, you know, to, to doing philanthropy and focus, because you just said four years ago, you were like, dude, that's crazy. I wouldn't have done it. I wouldn't have done it. I, you know what it is? Here's the thing. I think what happened is this. I try, you know, like you said earlier, you go back and you try to remember, like, I don't I, I, look, we, our memories I learned as humans are not that great. You know, like, if, you know, if you and I are standing and we see a car accident with three other people, five different versions and, and maybe a six version, because I, I might have two different versions of how I thought the accident happened. But, but like in, in retrospect, like looking back, so my cousin, Linda, Lindy Lou foundation, my cousin, Linda Cunningham passed away nine years, nine and change years ago. And my aunt, my cousins founded the Lindy Lou foundation and all that money we raised goes to uh, other organizations serving the, the intellectual and developmentally disabled. So that sort of happens. I kind of take the shine to nonprofit because of what I'm doing with business. Um, I meet some people like my friend, Ken Serini, Serini Associates out on Long Island, who, who founded the, the Long Island Imagine Award, the New York City Imagine Award. And I learned a lot from Ken about nonprofits and how, you know, I, I even hear when I'm saying these words, I hear like, you know, what I've learned from Ken over the years, like these organizations, they, they don't get the light. And that's what the Imagine Awards is all about. It's about shining the light on the sector. Um, so it all kind of just came together, man. And it was like, how did how do I leverage something that I think is cool and that I'm passionate about to make the world a better place? And look, I'm going to tell you when I'm out there this morning, moving these diapers around, I met two other nonprofit organizations that I had no idea of that are in Suffolk County that came and picked up the diapers. And now I have these new relationships with these new organizations that will come on philanthropy and focus. will get the opportunity to tell their story. And look, is this, uh, you know, do I have the podcast that, that, um, you know, a hundred thousand people are listening to. No, not yet. But I think we're telling good stories and it will impact people and people more and more people will continue to listen. But if a donor, if a, uh, if an executive of corporate social responsibility for, for a major company is listening to the show and they hear about the allied foundation, right. Or they learn about the book fairies and they make a, an outreach. What's the ripple effect of that? You know, what's the ripple effect of the change that happened? So I guess it was just, I felt something like, like anything else, like the 60 days of service thing, this wasn't really well thought out. I was like, dude, I think I could probably pull off 60 days of service. That, now, I, I then I started telling people about it because then it's real and then you've got to do it, right? So I was just like, I'm going to try this. I'm going to do it. So you know what's going to happen in December and November? I'm going to be running around like a maniac to, to handing out turkeys and like dressing up like Santa Claus and like going to, you know, the... Uh, uh, who does the, uh, the gifts, the toys for tots with the Marines and stuff like that. And I'm going to be like, D I'm going to call you. I got to do a day of service, man. <laughs> it's like, it's like Christmas Eve, Eve, what can, give me something so I can come out. Like it's good. And that's a pisser to me. It, it's, that's going to be fun to like find all these opportunities that I need to make an impact. And people are going to get fired up and juiced about that. And that's cool. So all of that I'm trying to impact is just like, I was drawn into this. I, I, I you know, not to get too hokey about it, but I, this has become my mission is to amplify the message for these organizations. Challenge is 
probably best for the universe, but there's only one Tommy D. So I can't, <laughs> you know, so what I need you all to do, don't clone me because we don't need another one. No. I certainly don't. My wife doesn't need another Tommy D. But, but follow me. Try to get involved with what I'm doing. If it, like, if you want to do, I was talking to my buddy today and I was like, look, yeah, remember that thing we did Habitat for Humanity a couple of years ago? I said, why don't we put together a gang of folks? Let's do Habitat. And like, that's now a thing. Like I said that at, noon it'll be happening now we're gonna lee silverman out in suffolk county habitat for humanity coming on my show a couple of weeks from now but i'm gonna call lee and i say lee let's just put a day together let's, i'm gonna bring a gang of people you know we're gonna do this because now again all i think about all day is the ripple the ripple the ripple i i think it is you know i'm i feel like i go around to ponds with buckets of pebbles and, and i'm just throwing freaking them throwing, throwing them in bro Throwing ripple. them in, throwing them in, throwing them in. I have no idea how far the ripples go, but it's kind of a cool thing to think about. You know, like how, you know, I, some of it makes me feel like I got to always say it's not about me. It's not about ego because it really isn't. But it is exciting as hell to think about the impact that's getting made from these cool things I'm doing, you know? So cool. Yeah. I got one last question for you, and then we're going to connect. We're going to give our audience places where they can connect, follow you, listen to the podcast and reach out to you. This is kind of a loaded question. As I said, most of my questions are loaded. Let's play make believe here for a second. Okay. And you may already be in this, but what's your dream job? Let's say you, you, you had a blank checkbook. You could do a dream job. Tommy D, what is it? Yeah, I think it's, um, I think what actually happens out of the work I'm doing now, um, you know, I, I don't ever see myself as an executive director of a nonprofit organization, but I do see myself potentially in a in a director of development type of role. But I think it's um, I, I'm not the greatest employee, you know, because I got <laughs> you got that I, entrepreneur in you. Yeah, I got to kind of do it my way, which is the only role I've ever been able to do for anybody else is in sales because you sort of have some autonomy in that. Yep. But it's really I, I think what it is, is I see myself, I call myself the nonprofit sector connector. So I think what comes out of all this in the next like. 12 to 18 months is consulting opportunities is a book. You know, the book is going to be like about the 60 days of service, but because I'm a big networker, because I'm a big connector, I think that I can bring that skill set to nonprofit organizations. So what's the dream job? The dream job would be like, you know, two days a week, I get brought into different organizations and I come in with like, you know, flip flops, a Hawaiian and like a pair of shorts. And I just kind of kick it with people, not in the wintertime that is, but kind of just kick it and say, here's, here's, a, let's talk about connections. Let's talk about opportunities. So I talk with development teams, talk with EDs. And, and I, you know, like you put me on a spot. So I'm just kind of putting it out there. And now it's scaring the hell out of me to say it out loud. Like that's kind of been in, in my back of my mind. And I've told a few people, but yeah, I think it's that. I think it's, I love this sector so much and I feel like it's making an impact. So the, the, the handful of things I'm good at, like why not help these organizations and, and turn that into a business, you know? that that's that's it man where where people i'm flying around the country like a couple keynotes talk about networking talk about connecting talk about you know taking businesses small businesses and teaching them how to do days of service like partnering them up with nonprofits, like creating a whole thing like creating a thing where like smbs small medium-sized businesses can consult with me and then i work with them to put days of service together like that's all coming out of 60 days of service you know and like that's just so it's like, it's create your own destiny, like figure it out, like make this stuff happen, you know? 
my mind is spinning. The entrepreneur in me is working. We're, we're talking offline. We're gonna talk, I love man. it. We'll, we'll I love it. it. Yeah, I love it. it. I love it. All right. So important piece here. Where can our audience connect? Where can they follow you on social media? Listen to the philanthropy and focus on a weekly basis. Learn more about 60 days of service. Where's the best place for them to so, do that? Yeah. And thank you for doing that. So hashtag 60 days of service. That's a hashtag I'm using on LinkedIn. It's a hashtag I'm using on, uh, on Instagram. Um, I'm on TikTok. I'm just playing around with the TikTok. So it's all the TikTok and the Instagram. My daughter was like, Oh, you got like 611 people watch this. And I was like, well, I guess that's cool. So, uh, Tommy D.NYC on Instagram, Tommy D.NYC on TikTok as well. Uh, let's see on the, I'm going to uh, TikTok right now, man. Yep. I just literally signed up on TikTok today. You gotta follow Dino me. project purple is on TikTok right now. All right. So that's good, man. First We're going to have to do like, we have to do a dance or something together. Man. Tommy D N Y C. There you Tommy are. Tommy Yeah. So that's the TikTok. That's the, uh, Instagram. And then, uh, you want to get me on email, Tommy D T O M M Y D at philanthropy and focus and philanthropy. Just Google it if you don't know how to spell it, but focus is spelled. P-H-O-C-U-S, so philanthropyandfocus.com. Um, and that's uh, my, my website, philanthropyandfocus.com. So I'm all over the social media, LinkedIn. My full name is Demisa, D-I-M-I-S-A, so Tommy Demisa on the LinkedIn. And look, man, if I can be a value, if I can be a resource, if I can impact an organization that you sit on the board of, you know, I'm going to a networking meeting right after this. And, and when we talk about specific asks, my specific ask is if you sit on the board, if you're connected to a nonprofit organization, you want to help them tell their story and amplify their message, I'll come up with your boy, nonprofit sector connector, and then I'll, uh, I'll do what I can to help them out. So that's that, Dino. Awesome. Tommy D, thank you for coming on to the Project Purple podcast, the connector of nonprofits creating impact, doing really, really good I'm going to keep it clean here because we got some kids that listen. I know my kids listen. Really, really good stuff in the world today. And your kids hopefully will listen to this as well. So I'll, I'll listen. They love it. They think I'm a celebrity, man. My little guy. Thinks I love I'm it. A, I think so. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, hello, Dino's kids. And hello to Tommy D's kids as well. And hello, Project Purple Land. <laughs> awesome. Thank you for being a guest. Thank you for all you're doing in this sector and in the in the world. We need more of you. I know you said dude, we don't want to clone you, but I, I disagree. We, we we need more people like Tommy D in the world today. I think the world will be a lot better with a lot of its issues. Thank you for listening. If you like what you hear today, please follow us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Please share this podcast as well. And until next time, please be safe. That's a wrap of another episode of the Project Purple Podcast. Yeah.